Hey guys, so I'm excited that we're doing Song of Songs. We're continuing with chapter three. I know we took a break because, you know, love is too hard to break down, if you know what I mean. So we had to take a break from that for a little while. But now we are back and continuing on with our study on the Song of Songs. So I'm glad that you're able to join. In fact, if you're joining for the first time, be sure you like, subscribe, share, and keep enjoying the journey, sharing the journey with others as we journey in God's love, to God's love and with God's love. So Song of Songs is really an amazing book that is not studied a lot, yet as we study this book, we realize and recognize that it is really a treasure house of many, a treasure trove as it were, of many wondrous truths from the word of God, things that are supposed to guide our lives in our relationships with one another and also specifically in our relationship with God. So today let's dive into episode three. Are you guys ready? All right, so open up your Bibles and let's go to Song of Songs chapter three, verse one. It says, by night on my bed, I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. Before we proceed, let's ask God for his presence right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. As we read, I pray that you read our minds and our hearts and reveal exactly what's hidden within us. Sometimes we do not know. So Lord, I pray for humility as we read your word. I pray for discernment as we contemplate and meditate on this amazing, powerful word. Lord, sanctify us and change us through your word and make us to be more like you. And Lord, create within us a clean heart. We ask these things, believing you have provided, because we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. By night on my bed, I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. This is the woman. The desire that she begins with, with in chapter 1 is still there. She continues to say, I sought him. You know, chapter 1 begins with the woman having a deep desire for intimacy with a man. And now the intimacy has been in some sort um, experienced, although it was literally a dream in chapter 2. But now in chapter 3, that intimacy is interrupted. That's interesting, right? The intimacy is interrupted. So the connection is counteracted. There seems to be forces. Things seem to turn, right? At the beginning, it was really a beginning of intimacy and yearning desire. But now the desire is disturbed. The intimacy is interrupted. By night, the woman wakes up only to find that the man is not there. Where is the man? And so she starts looking around. And, and before we even move further on and go into the deeper story of what's going on here, we already know that a woman represents the church and the man really is the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, who is the bridegroom of the bride, the church that he died for and loves so much. And so what if, what if it's possible that in our walk with God, we will find ourselves most of the times alone. But this is an interesting story because if you think about it in, in the context of Christ, why would Jesus leave, right? Or even, even as, a, as a man, why would a man leave? This is actually a very funny story to tackle because now we ask, okay, why did the man leave, right? Why did he leave? And 
it doesn't make sense, right? Why would he be so cruel to leave? And you know, an insight is given here when we study the story of Jesus and how God usually acts. So what's interesting about this story is it seems as though the man doesn't care about the woman. I mean, that will be the logical conclusion to make, yet that conclusion is already without foundation because once she meets the man we are told in the story that you know there's rejoicing and intimacy again and so is it the is it the man that left or is it the woman that stayed what's going on here right and obviously we do see an obvious problem intimacy is interrupted deep intimacy is disturbed so what is going on here and really an insight is given only when we understand this in the context of Christ and then it will make sense in the context of our relationships as well. With Jesus, it is so easy to lose sight of Jesus Christ. Yes, we may have an intimacy with him, we may love him, but it's so easy to lose that. For example, look at the church of uh, Ephesus. When Jesus comes in Revelation and tells the churches, you, 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 you had zeal, you, you know, you loved me. But Jesus says, you know what? I have something against you. You have left your first love, right? Because it's so easy to leave the first love, to fall. It's so easy to fall and to forget. It's so easy to take for granted. Now, this is the problem when, when you have blessings within your reach. Because notice, in chapter 1, the woman is desiring for a deep intimacy. In chapter 2, she gets that deep intimacy. But in chapter 3, somehow she loses it. It seems as though that when we get closer to the things we love the most, that that is the, that is the exact time that we are so prone to miss them. And the reason why it's so easy and so sad to miss them at that time or so, so, so disturbing, I should say, to, to lose something that you have so close because you, in your mind you think you have it. And so because of that mentality, even if you lose it, sometimes it becomes hard to find it. I don't know if, it, if it's making sense. So, for example, in the context of relationship, it is so easy to lose sight of your, of your spouse. Again, I don't want to blame the woman or the man. I don't know what's going on. But really, this is deep insight. And I want you guys to read this and study what it means. Is it the woman's fault that the man left? Or is it the man's fault that, you know, he left? Where is he going? What is he doing? Those details are not provided. But we know that intimacy is interrupted here. Because somehow, something has been lost sight of. Something is not held tight. And really the whole idea is, is to hold tight. Hold fast till I come, Jesus says. What you've been given, hold fast. Because there is a tendency to lose those things that are closest to our hands. Because of the complacency and the belief that, that we have and the confidence of having them. So the very fact that you have something gives within you a danger of losing it. Because sometimes you think just because you have something close to you that that means you actually have it when you don't. So the woman must have thought, oh, this is my man. But something happened and the man is not there. So she wakes up. She seeks after him. I love this. So whenever you realize that intimacy is interrupted, that, that your peace is disturbed, that, that your connection with God is not as strong, 
You know, sometimes you feel like, oh, I'm so disconnected with God. And I mean, I'm not as close to God as I used to. That is a good sign. Work on that. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you through that. If you feel a need, if you feel a need for something from God, a need of God's presence, if you feel a void in your heart, that is a good opportunity for you to work on it. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened for you. Ask and it shall be given. So the woman seeks for the man as we should seek for Jesus Christ when we do lose him. Going back to the idea of losing sight of those things that seem to be close to our hands and we deceive ourselves that just because we have things close to us, then, then that should mean that we actually have those things. The parents of Jesus thought that they had Jesus, right? Mary and Joseph thought they had Jesus. Literally, they gave birth to Jesus, but they lost sight of Jesus. I don't know exactly why they lost Jesus in Jerusalem, I believe, when, when they went to the uh, Passover feast or the feast that was going on then. I have no idea why they lost him. But, but I am confident to suggest that it is, whatever the reason may be, the fact that they thought they had him had something to do with it. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is, do not base reality on what you think you have, right? Or do not, do not put confidence or trust in, do not trust in the self-confidence of the things you have, but instead work on actually holding on to those things that you have. Those are two different things. One is more like pride of, I have this. The other is more actually perseverance and working and industry and ensuring and, and tire, tireless effort to ensure that you don't lose what you have. So hold fast what you have. Could be a relationship, hold fast to that. Because in, in the moments without notice, you could lose that. And the danger is you lose it, not because you didn't like it, but you lose it because of the complacency of thinking that you have it. Anyways, moving on, that was enough. That was enough on, on verse one. Well, verse two says, I will arise. And that's the thing. So the woman says, I will arise. So whenever you notice any problem within your relationship or any need, any void, act on it, act on it and seek for what you need. Seek for what God has designed for you. I will rise now and go about the city in the streets and in the broad ways I will seek him who my soul loves. I sought him but I found him not. Now that's disappointing, but I wonder why it was written, right? So she seeks after the man whom she loves. Seek for those you love. When things are not going on with you and God, seek for morning prayer. Seek for evening prayer. Seek for going to church and communing with your brothers and sisters. Seek for that. However, it does not always mean that it will work out. But here's the thing, just because it didn't work out doesn't mean that it won't work out either because she sought, she did not find, but she kept on seeking. So what's the message here? Keep on seeking. Seek, keep on seeking. 
never get sick of seeking because it is in seeking that we find if you do not seek you shall not find and so we're told in the word of god seek the lord while he may yet be found because there will be a time when he won't be found usually there are times when we don't find things we're looking for and just because you didn't find what we're looking for that does not mean that you should stop looking just because you've prayed for more years than you can remember and your prayer hasn't been answered doesn't mean you should stop praying but but you should change something definitely so let's 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 exemplify what's going on here let's look at it closely she arises she walks in the streets dangerous place and that speaks about the you know the the broad not the broadness but the boldness and the and the and the bravery and the courage that she has she's a woman walking at night in the streets well to her to to her advantage there are people around i suppose as we'll see in the next verse but that's bravery and she does it and so should we now moving on to verse number 3 it says the watchman that go about the city found me to whom i said so ye whom my soul loves so this is the problem in a sense it is who she is okay the problem here seems to be who the woman is seeking from so the problem is not who the woman is seeking for that's fine she wants the man but who she is seeking the man from she is seeking the man from the watchman You know, this is a very interesting point that you know, she asked the watchman but the watchman they cannot help. And that's sometimes the reality of the things we look for especially in God that we will never find elsewhere. We'll not even find from our friends. For example, you cannot find intimacy in God from a friend. Yes, you can pray with a friend. Yes, you can go to church with a friend. That's all good, but you cannot experience that personal relationship God wants to wants you to experience with God with another friend similarly even in a relationship you can never experience the intimacy that you want from that special person that God has given you from anyone else as it is in the story these are watchmen they are strong men they are handsome men but they cannot resolve or fulfill the intimacy the woman desires and so she asked them for help not only can they not provide the intimacy she desires but they have no clue on how to help her get to her intimacy only she knows how to get to what she wants because it is what she desires the most only she knows so moving on we are told that it was but a little that I passed from them but I found him whom my soul loves that is powerful a little passed from them maybe you just need to pass from them to find exactly what you need and this is so true because sometimes the sources we think are the sources of our information the sources where we think they are the sources of our salvation are usually the sources of our problems and really what is really hindering us and so god says things like what is most praised on earth is usually an abomination before god so pass from things 
that are not your source of joy, source of happiness. We know the true source of joy, happiness, and life is God. So anything that is not God-based, if you like, you have to pass from those things. Friends that are not rooted in the word of God, pass from them because they will not truly show you the joy. And this applies very strongly in a relationship, especially when it comes to relationship advice. Where do you get your advice from? When you are in peril, when you are on the verge of, you know, breakup or divorce or arguments and all those rough things that are so associated with marriage and relationships. Where do you seek your counsel from? Yes, in the multitude of counselors, there is peace. But who is your counselor and who is your peace? Shouldn't it be the Prince of Peace, Emmanuel? Only as you pass over them, pass from them, I should say, do you find what you're looking for? Because what you're looking for is not in other people. What you're looking for, in a sense, is... is I was going to say it's within you, but only you can know what you're looking for. And so your friends, your associates cannot dictate or tell you what you want. It doesn't make sense. So he, she, held, she held him, it says, and would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. This is deep stuff going on. She holds him tight. Hold fast, hold fast. She has learned her lesson that, well, I would say a man needs to be held tight. And I'll just stop there. I won't make the other, I won't go, I was, I was going to say similarly a woman must be held tight. But let's leave it as it is because it makes sense in the context of Christ. A man must be held Jesus is an interesting gentleman. Jesus is an interesting character to study every day, to contemplate upon. You cannot exhaust him. He is exhaustless. He is sweet. He is a name above all names. You know, describing Jesus is interesting. He has some mysterious ways to him too. He has some interesting habits that we will do well to consider. You know, I, I wish I could just, you know, read here from... Uh, he says, mark that according to the text, it is very apparent that Jesus will go away if he is not held. I held him and I would not let him go. As if he would have gone if he had not firmly retained. Do you understand that? He would have gone if he had not been firmly retained. When he met with Jacob that night at the Jabbok, he said, let me go. It's interesting that Jesus always wants to go. But why does he do that? It says he would not go without Jacob's letting him. Interesting, right? But he would have gone. Do you understand that? He would have gone if Jacob had loosed his hold. See, the gentleman, the gentlemanness of God is too deep. God is interesting, don't you think? The patriarch replied, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. God wants us to express this to him. He wants us to realize our need for him. And unless we realize our need for him, then it, his role in our lives doesn't make sense. And so he leaves and he goes so that we seek him. That's why God is not easily found. That's why God is not something you find easily. No, it's not. 
meaning, purpose, direction in life, those things are not found easily or haphazardly. Those things take time. In fact, a relationship with God requires all the powers of the being, all the powers of the being. And that speaks, imagine if it took, if it took a prayer day to keep the devil away, or if it took a prayer day for you to really get to know God, then he wouldn't really be God because God is so huge and so massive that we're doing ourselves a disservice when we give him half of our hearts. Give him all the attention that he needs and let do not let him go is the instruction. And then he says, this is one of Christ's ways and manners. It is one of the peculiarities of his character. When he walked to Emmaus with two disciples, he made as if he would have gone further. They might have known it was none other than the angel of the covenant by that very habit. He would have gone further, but they constrained him. If they didn't constrain him, saying, abide with us for the day is far spent, if you, um, if he would have gone further, but they constrain him saying, abide with us for the day is far spent. If you are willing to lose Christ's company, he is never intrusive. He will go away from you and leave you till you know his value ha, and begin to pine for him. I will go, says he, and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face and their affliction they will seek me early he will go huh, unless he is held i don't know this is amazing and i have the confidence to bring this application in a relationship setting as well not because i studied relationships or that i'm a doctor or anything but because i know by the authority of god's word that the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church is and should be reflective of the relationship between a man and a woman. And so, the woman, in a sense, I don't know how exactly, may God help you to understand what that means, must hold all the man might go. Interesting. And obviously, this might translate into different ways the roles of a man and a woman uh, happen in a relationship. So, hold fast and do not let go. And obviously in a broader sense of our lives, we need to hold on to those things that are dear to us. And we need to hold on because it's so easy to, it's so easy for things to slip away from our hands. So God says, if you really need me, then you will seek me. I will not beg for you. Because God wants us to know his value because even in a relationship if you do not know the value of the other person then what's the point they're not valued consequently they're not valuable so it's a valueless relationship interesting interesting right so she says i will it's interesting the things she's saying she says i will not let him go until i had brought him into my mother's house what does that mean exactly could be interesting thoughts there. Bringing someone into your mother's house, into the chamber of how they conceived me. That's, that's the deepest level of, I wouldn't say ownership, because this is not ownership or possession. It's not really possession. This really speaks to the deepest level of the other person 
bringing in the other person into their lives fully so much that their family trees connect in a sense and so they're held together by the by bones that cannot be broken by bones that are stronger than bones <laughs> right because this goes beyond their bodies now this is beyond their bodies this is deeper than that it goes deeper to the roots of where they came from now their families are connected and that can only speak to the marriage covenant that that you know the marriage covenant is not one of connecting two bodies together but literally it is the one of connecting two families together as we saw earlier well i guess later in in song of songs chapter 8 that um that love relationship is not only between a man and a woman but it is a community thing as god is also a community so that's something interesting to throw there i charge you again this is repeated um oh ye daughters of jerusalem by the rose and by the hinds of the field that ye stand not up nor awake my love till ye please now after this struggle after the reunion now after the struggle of losing what was supposedly close and and then after the, the you know the the excitement although the 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 joy the the tears of joy of reuniting the woman realizes the value of the man and she says i will not let you go i will make sure you stay here interesting again i don't know how that works but this is the word of god and i pray and hope the holy spirit speaks to you so do not stir up and so she warns the daughters of jerusalem not to disturb the peace again i wonder if it is the daughters of jerusalem that destroy the peace who knows but again this is another aspect where there's a tendency that the daughters of jerusalem especially for um women that they will want to disturb your relationship they will want to bring uh that interruption to your intimacy and so you need to charge them and tell them <laughs> to make sure that they don't and warn them that even if they do it is of no use because you have already made up your mind that you have brought the other person into your mother's house that means again going back to two families together that means your mother must know that means your family must know because now this is deeper than the two of you this is this is deeper than humanity itself because it is supposed to be reflective of the glory of god moving on who is this that comes from the wilderness like pillars of smoke perfumed with myrrh and frankincense with all the powders of the merchant interesting story of you know some say it's the woman coming from the wilderness some say it is the um solomon's pillar uh, i mean solomon and his his chariot and the things he has and you know his army and all that but it, it's all amazing it's a picture of the majestic entrance of solomon or the bride herself and she is perfumed with amazing you know myrrh and frankincense and powders you know of the merchant interesting i think we'll skip this one <laughs> but and then and then interesting verse in verse 7 behold his bed which is solomon's three score valiant men are about it the valiant of israel so this was interesting and i was thinking about this in the context of jesus christ you know we spoke about in the previous verse how he 
Solomon comes with his army and his his hosting. He's surrounded by many people, 60 men and all that. And really, this this sounds like the wedding procession going on, or something about about uh, um, something of that nature. And I was thinking of Jesus. Similarly, Jesus, he's not alone in his wedding. He's surrounded by thousands of angels. And the wedding of Jesus Christ, if you didn't know, by the way, is described in Daniel chapter 7. And in Daniel chapter 7, there we're told an amazing story where Daniel sees one like the Son of Man who is brought to the Ancient of Days. And, and there he's given something. He's given something so valuable to his own heart, something that he died for, something that he worked hard for. And that is his bride. That is his church, his kingdom, which we are. And so Jesus Christ, just like Solomon, Solomon, just like Jesus, either way, he's surrounded by angels, ten thousands upon thousands. And so that is something powerful to think about of how this marriage thing is real with God too. They all hold swords, being expert in war. Do you understand what that means? Every man hath his sword upon his thigh because of the fear in the night. They are expert in war. That phrase right there is so potent and powerful because it tells us that marriage is war. Hmm. You didn't catch that. Marriage is war. Well, let's make it broader so it makes sense. Life is war that we are in a great controversy. And so as a result, there is tendency for evil, tendency for for tragedy, and there is a tendency for evil that exists. There's always this evil force pushing against the good force such that the good force must always exert a force against the other force. That's the only way we make it through. Otherwise, if we let go of our God, then we will be broken down and we will be destroyed. So the experts of war, I would say you need to be an expert of war before you get into relationships or marriage. You need to know how to resolve conflict resolution. I mean, how to resolve conflicts, how to communicate, how to resolve things. Obviously, you may not know all these things. You will have to learn as you go, but you need to be an expert in war. The great controversy requires every man, woman, and child to be an expert in war. Because we cannot do this without fighting. Although the fight that we fight is not one of flesh and blood, but one of, uh, of, of principalities and powers. So it is a spiritual battle. But nonetheless, nonetheless, it is a spiritual battle, but nonetheless has physical impacts on our lives as well. But we are lucky because with Jesus Christ, he has 10,000s upon thousands of angels and they are experts in war as well. They fight for us. Right now, we think we are safe, but it is only because of the tireless work of the angels to protect us, to ensure that the evil one does not destroy, rule, torment us. If it wasn't for the angels, we'll be tormented, we'll be, we'll, would wouldn't be safe and so we are told that he encamps around he encamps the angel of protection encamps around those who fear the name of the lord and and we only have this permission though for protection once we are in 
a marriage relationship with Jesus, then does he send his experts of war to protect us. Let me tell you something. This woman, no, I'm not going to use that. So this woman is being protected because she is in a relationship with King Solomon. This church, friends of God, is only protected because it is in a covenant marriage, covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, I say search your hearts and see if you are still faithful to God. Because those who are not faithful to God, the angels of God cannot protect them. King Solomon made himself a chariot of the wood in Lebanon. We can talk about this day and night, but moving on, we are told that he made pillars thereof of silver and amazing things he did, but we don't have enough time to discuss all these things. But maybe in conclusion, go forth, we are told, all ye daughters of Zion, and behold King Solomon, behold him, with the crown wherewith his mother crowned him in the day of his disposals and in the day of the gladness of his heart. We're told to behold King Solomon, but I want to flip that and say, behold Jesus. Behold Jesus with the crown wherewith his mother crowned him in the day of his disposals. No, I say behold Jesus with the crown of thorns that we put on his head because of our sins. A crown of shame, yet a crown of glory. A crown of paradox that brings pain to Jesus but brings pleasure to us. That brings death to Christ but brings life to us. Inexplicable. And this is just an attempt. Or should I say marriage is just an attempt to explain what Jesus Christ did for the church. That the man must be willing to go through these things. This crown is interesting. It's not, it's not the, the most amazing crown there is in this world. It's just a simple crown that was placed on Solomon's head. He, it was placed on his head, not because he was the greatest king. Notice also that King Solomon was not necessarily or did not necessarily consider himself to be the greatest, but he was identified with another quality that Jesus had that most men lack, should I say, that Jesus had that most men need, that we need, that I need, that is humility. He asked, to, he asked God to give him wisdom. He says, I don't know how to deal with these people. I cannot distinguish the right from the left. Please give me wisdom so that I know how to do these things. Solomon was a king of a kingdom. Christ is the king of a kingdom. And in prophetic terms, the kingdom represents the church, the bride. It requires wisdom to rule a kingdom. Similarly, it requires wisdom to rule a household. It requires wisdom to be in a relationship, direct a relationship if, it, if that's the way you want to look at it. And so pray like Solomon did for wisdom. And God will give you wisdom as he did with Solomon. But much of the wisdom that Solomon had should be attributed to the mother she had as well. Because that woman went through interesting things in her life. And I wish we had more time to talk about Bathsheba and what she went through. But we all know she was a strong woman. Strong, not because she was strong, 
but strong because she had experienced weakness and found that only God can pull you from weakness. And so she knew what it meant to be weak and to depend on God. And many, many women can learn from Bathsheba, from the experience she had after. She, she was a woman who was calculative and who made interesting moves. If it wasn't for Bathsheba, Solomon wouldn't be king because during those days it was Adonijah that was reigning and, and it was Bathsheba that went to King David and said, but you said Solomon would reign and so why does Adonijah reign right now? And I, and I wish we had time to talk about the difference between uh, King Solomon and Adonijah. Uh, people who are asking today that if Jesus is indeed the one in control, then why does Satan reign right now? Why is it that evil seems to be controlling the whole world? Why volcanoes? Why pain and suffering? And God will respond soon. God will, God will crown his son soon. God will glorify his son just as he did from the beginning of this world and the best way that god does that is through you and me because we are the bride of christ and without us christ has no bride christ has no kingdom christ doesn't have us but he died for us not because he needed us but because we needed him so it's inverted we need him we should seek him and not the other way around. Although, literally, he sought us. He died for us when we're yet in our sin. And so I pray and hope that this chapter really blessed you. That you learned that you learned a lot from God's word. And that you will continue to learn as we continue our series uh, of Song and Songs. And so, God bless you. Share this video with your friends and family. And see you tomorrow as we continue our series, Song and in song of songs or the song of solomon and as we dive deep into the love of god that cannot be expounded or exhausted bye for now don't forget to like subscribe and share love you bye